What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kings and Priests. This is episode 12, and I gotta say, I am so excited for this episode because today, Dean and I have our first guest joining us, and that is Dylan Thomas. Dylan is the founder and CEO of Creator. Creator launched last year and offers online video lessons created for worshipers and creatives. They exist to serve creatives and church teams with educational videos from the leading voices in worship and creativity. Their instructors are people like Brooke Lidgertwood, Chandler Moore, Tasha Cobbs Leonard, and Brandon Lake. We talked to Dylan about Creator's origin story, how to choose the right co-founder, the importance of learning, not building in an echo chamber, and falling in love with the not-so-cool parts of building a business. This was such a great conversation, and honestly, I learned a ton just hearing Dylan break down how he thinks about every detail of the product and the business. Make sure and check out Creator at www.creatoronline.com. That is C-R-E-A-T-R online.com. And on Instagram at Creator, that is C-R-E-A-T-R. Hey, before we jump into this conversation with Dylan, make sure and subscribe wherever you are listening to this today. Leave us a rating and take a minute to leave us a review if you are digging the podcast. It goes such a long way in helping us spread the word. Okay, that's enough for me. Let's jump into the conversation that Dean and I had with Dylan Thomas of Creator. Let's do it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kings and Priests. I'm here with Dean, and we have a guest today. I think this is our first guest on the podcast, right? I think so. We're here with... Uh, oh, that's a lot, a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> We're here with Dylan Thomas, who is the founder and CEO of Creator. What's up, Dylan? Hey, guys. How are you? Good to see you, mate. Thanks for having me. Thanks Good for, to see you. Thanks for being on. Nice to hear another Australian accent. Up to 26 <laughs> years, man, I can still put it on. <laughs> yeah. Dylan, yeah. how long have you been in, uh, in the States now? This um, this last summer would have been ten years, so probably about ten and a half years now. Oh, so cool! July, I think, eleven years. My wife's American, so cool. And you're down in Orange County, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I was in New York for seven years. Um, did it all. Did the city. Did Brooklyn. Did upstate, and then moved to California. Twenty eighteen, I think, summer of twenty eighteen. So. <laughs> Been about three years here now. Well, hey, before we jump in, I want to obviously hear the story and ask you a bunch of questions. Tell us about uh, Creator. Like, just give us the quick overview. Um, yeah. What it is, who it serves, and uh, all of that good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we let people say this about us that we're kind of like the masterclass for church. Um, so, I'll, the disclaimer is other people say <laughs> that. We don't use that terminology. Um, but it kind of is the best way to kind of jump off and kind of go, like, we, we, um, we want to equip and resource the church and, and people in the church with video content and resources um, taught by some of the people that, are, you know, leading, you know, leading these kind of spheres. And, um, you know, we've started initially in the kind of worship and, and music community and the songwriter community, but we're quickly branching out into, you know, creatives and design and, and all the things that kind of make a church tick. Um, so we really wanted to be intentional that we started off this thing in, in our realm of expertise, which which happened to be the music side. But quickly we've seen that, that there's a massive need for other areas to be served. Um, and so just to, trying to find ways that we can bring conversation about that can help build churches and, you know, buy video content. And it's, it's 
I hope I explained that right, but the best way we, people like to say is the masterclass for church. So um, that, that's kind of it in a nutshell. That's pretty accurate. I've, yeah. uh, I've surfed around there and, and uh, the content, I, I think what struck me was the quality. You guys just came out of the, out of the gate with a really quality product. And then obviously mm. the people you attracted, you know, yeah. it's just some great stuff there. If you're an entrepreneur, you want to start a business, there's this tension between having enough funding to do something in a way that's really going to put your best foot forward, like yeah. initially. Um, and man, you guys just crush that. It just looks and I sounds and that. the quality is over the top. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah, we were, we were super intentional. Um, you know, I think for us, it was like, we wanted to honor, I guess a lot of the legacy might not be the right word, but like a lot of the, um, the years that some of the people on the platform have, have, have put into serving the church and yeah. make sure that, you know, that was met with the level of quality of content that kind of was, you know, at least was honoring of that. And I think that was just always our nature was just to want to create just such high level engaging content that people really just enjoy watching it and are inspired from watching. So I appreciate you saying that. Thanks, mate. Mate, right, right, right. Did you always like want to start a company? Did this? Did you kind of stumble into this? Obviously, you've been in a band for how long? Have you? How long has Hillsong United been going? Hillsong United has been going for almost twenty five years. Wow, wow. And were uh, you at the? Were you kind of a part of the founding? I founding definitely crew? wasn't. Oh, you weren't. Okay. Been, I would have been nine when they started. Got it. I was going to say you're not. You might not have been <laughs> born. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I I kind of grew up in our church in Australia, in Hillsong Church, and um, started going when I think I was about around about nine or ten. And my dad was in the music industry, so I was kind of we were, I was kind of grafted in a little bit to the music side of things already, um, and was playing in kids' church and whatnot. And then I think I started playing in youth, and then eventually, like when I was seventeen, I played on um, played guitar on United We Stand, which was kind of like. Mm -hmm one of the albums that we did and I was fortunate enough to write a song on that, um, on that album as well. And yeah, so it's been, it's been a journey, but to answer your question, I, I mean, I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit. I was, um, I was really fortunate enough. I was thinking about this earlier. Um, like there's, I think on both sides of my family. Um, so like my mom's side, and my dad's side, there's like from all my aunties and uncles up to my grandparents, there was, I think there was only one person in my family that wasn't, a business owner. Wow. Mm. Um, and um, so I was really fortunate to grow up around that entrepreneurial spirit, that work for yourself, the work for yourself, but work twice as hard kind of concept that I think is sometimes <laughs> needs to be a little demystified. Um, totally. Everybody yeah, wants like, to have their own business until they discover you've got to do everything for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and it's twice as, twice as hard. It's, <laughs> it's, it's real. It's so real. But I, I was, I mean, I watched both my parents love what they did. Um, and work for themselves. I think that was that was a massive blessing for me. So I always knew I had things that I wanted to do. And yeah, we I've, we've tried a few different things, had some fails, um, learnt along the way. Yeah, tell us about one of those. What's like uh, what's something that that never fully you know got off the ground? This is, this is a little this is a little raw because it's it's I'm I'm still dealing with the fallout. But no, um, in I'd always I, I where I grew up in Australia is a massive cafe culture. So you know I grew up. I was really blessed where I grew up. There was just amazing food and coffee everywhere. Um, and when I moved to America, I was kind of like, there's just, there's just, it's a little different. Like there's, there's a coffee culture and there's a food culture and sometimes they don't really mix. So it's kind of like you go to the coffee shop, then you go to the cafe and they're kind of like in Australia, it's like you can't 
have a cafe and, and not serve good coffee. It's just so so ingrained in our culture. So uh, when I moved to New York, some some really good friends of mine started a, a couple of coffee shops, cafes, let's call it. They were doing both really well. I'd always wanted to kind of move into that space. So I'm fast track to being in California and uh, some space came available in where our offices and our studios are. And I was like, um, weren't one of so Scott Lidgetwood, who's who now is, you know, was the co-founder with me on, on creator. He and I signed a lease and went into with another partner who had already run coffee shops and owned a coffee company, went into a space and with every intention of, you know, becoming the next, I don't know, blue bottle or something. And, um, and just, you know, just learn a lot about the amazing ability to work in California. And, 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 not, um, not the most business-friendly state. Yeah, the yeah, they don't yeah, make it easy, do they? Yeah, I mean, and I get, I get a lot of, you kind of look now, I look back and I, I can see in hindsight why things are the way they are and, and what they're trying to do to make sure, you know, things make sense. But it was pretty difficult not, not, to, um, not to sugarcoat it. So we... We signed the lease on this space in it's four thousand square feet. We subdivided and leased out two thousand. So we had two thousand square feet that we're going to turn into a coffee shop. So big back of house and all that kind of stuff. And and we were bringing in a guy to run it and and whatnot. We had all the kind of like the back end was run by other business. Long story short, um, we signed the lease February twenty twenty. So hey. about that timing. Wow. Um, and and obviously we were in it, so we we, we we put our heads down for the better part of a year to try and get this thing to work, um, and just just pretty pretty much just realised that it was we learnt, went in learnt, learnt that we probably signed the wrong lease, learnt that we probably didn't get the right zoning for the space, so many things that I learnt, but also the biggest thing that I learnt was that I don't want to own a coffee shop. So <laughs> <laughs> the next, Sometimes you got to do something to work out what you don't want to do yeah but yeah you know i'm, I'm sure you've, you've done a few of those as well Dean. Many, like, many times. you kind of like look at the you look at the bank account. i mean that's um, <laughs> it's also the the silver lining for us was that it, it kind of birthed scott and i working together right and um and we've been friends for i mean i've known scotty since i was nine and, and they were right. working on hillstone and scotty's three or four years older than me and um and so I've, we've, I've known, we've known each other for years and we've always, we've kind of both got a lot of that, those similar, um, similar kind of characteristics when it comes to wanting to run businesses. And so we knew that we'd work together at some point. So that's just kind of what started the, the conversation. Um, and then, yeah, it, it was, it was like, it just naturally fed into kind of when I started to rehash this idea of the masterclass for the church thing, um, and and so yeah, I look at it. Silver lining for me was like totally. we, we lost we lost some money, and it still stings a little. <laughs> not gonna lie. Yeah, we'll see how it goes on the tax returns. It might it might end up being beneficial. There you go. There you go. Carrying that loss, but um, exactly, mate. I but think it's, it it just just some incredible things like that come out of that. So you know, failure is obviously never final. You know, mm-hmm. and and that's an attitude that you obviously had. You discovered a business partner that you're now doing something very exciting with and that's successful. And this happens yeah. a lot in tech and I see it um, in the tech world, the idea of co-founders. Mm-hmm. And um, even if I look back to like in the, I think I first noticed it in the hip hop kind of world. I'm not a big hip hop guy, but I noticed like they would work together. Like you'd have these two mm-hmm. giant artists 
and then they go do projects together and like get the financial just you know i think one thing that i i always trying to get across to entrepreneurs is find that co-founder yeah you can work with because one and one isn't two in business it's always Mm. multiplied um absolutely even if that you know kind of experience and you know really you got slapped by COVID, so there was extenuating circumstance. It was like buying a house in Vegas and at the top of the market. Yeah, LA, right. right? <laughs> you, you just you got it, you bought this house for 900,000 and went to 300. Um, yeah. But you know, but you just so there's a great kind of positive attitude. And then you discover this kind of great person that you like working with and then away you went. Yeah. You know, it's so true. I, I think it's, it's probably one of the biggest things I've learned in the last, you know, two years since really diving in, you know, coming off off the road, but because we had to, right. not touring was like, we kind of had this unit of people that we've, we've worked together for years. Like I've, we've grown up together. We've kind of got this ecosystem that yep. works and we're, and we're a massive team and, and that you kind of forget how much of a team it is. And so then we came over to here to do this other thing and you realize like, I need my team. Like I need yep. these people around me as buffers, Very as, cool. um, as sounding boards, as, uh, just smarter people than me, to be honest with you. But, um, but we always, we've always, we've been super blessed working together, Scotty and I. Um, it's just been so much fun and, and we love to move at a million miles an hour and break things. Mm-hmm. But in the same breath, we also make sure that we have people around us that are those buffers. And so, you know, if I had one, you know, kind of lesson that I've definitely learned over the last two years is to find that group of people. So whether it's a co-founder yep. or if it's like a little mini advisory board, or yep. if it's like a group of people that you trust that are wiser, that have more experience, that can kind of pull you in and kind of grab you by the ear. Like we say in Australia, when they, when yep. you need kind of some of those hard talking to talkings to, and then just, and I, the analogy that, I, that Scott and I use is kind of like where, where the bowling ball at a bowling alley. And all of the smarter people are the bumpers. Yep. <laughs> so we're trying to just, we're just banging around, trying to make sure we hit some pins. Um, but I think it's important in that, you know, to your, to your point, Dean, is to have those, that co-founder, like, don't be scared of that co-founder concept. Absolutely. You're so right. Like that, that idea that one plus one is exponential because, you know, we are better together. And there's obviously the unicorn guys that can go out and do it all on their own and, 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 and build a massive team on their own. There's no denying that. Right. Um, but for, for me, I think, you know, entrepreneurship is lonely. And so to have, right. have people around you that you can trust and that you can, you know, I think it's super important. And I think it's, under, it's kind of like people don't think about it too much. Like, oh, I don't need, I can, I can do this on my own. But I think finding yeah. those people, finding that team, kind of like the Avengers, I guess, so to speak, I can't yeah. have a better analogy, but finding people that you can trust and lean on is super important. Mm-hmm. Amen. I completely agree. I want to ask you guys both, because um, it brings up an interesting point now with just this idea of finding a co-founder. Um, I think a lot of people think about like, oh gosh, that's a bit daunting. How do I go find a co-founder? But for both of you, you didn't really go find one. You kind of like looked around to see who was around you. So Dean, you started mm-hmm. Tidely with your son, Barn. Dylan, yeah. you started creator with a good friend of yours, which kind of goes against a lot of the uh, logic in in life saying like, don't ever start business with friends or family. Um, but I think maybe in the faith space or when both co-founders are believers, um, that can be maybe a different outcome. Like that can be a bonus. So I yeah. guess just talk about what that approach has been like. What's it like leading a company with someone that you're so close to 
And um, how do you keep that from, you know, not getting um, unhealthy, I guess? I'll just say that alignment in values is probably like put faith aside for a minute. You want the values of the two or three co-founders to be absolutely massively aligned. And, yeah, brilliant. And and if you're if they're not aligned, it's going to start off okay because you got your gifts are going to start producing what they produce, but then it's going to be a disaster because you're going to get to these moments where you're going to have to have making decisions with integrity and you know and make right decisions that that if your values aren't aligned. So that's that's the big one. Um, and, and, you know, then I think the other one is have, have people that have opposite skill sets, you know, mm -hmm. I, I'm a sales guy that can talk to people and network. My son was a coding, you know, maniac and could build software, you know, while he was like half asleep and, and do three projects at once. So I think getting, getting different, you know, opposite giftings working together is the other thing I, I think works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree on the opposite kind of side of things because you've got, you don't want to create, like, I mean, I would say I'm creative. I'd say Scott is on another planet of creative, okay. creativity, the way he thinks. Like I'm the guy with Excel spreadsheets and he's like <laughs> mad scientist on the whiteboard. So yep. I think having that kind of complementing strengths um, is super important. And I think, I mean, maybe it's like, for me, Scott and I had so much time together. Like we'd done life. So it wasn't like I had, I went into this, like I didn't, we didn't need an ironclad legal agreement because it was like we've been friends for 20 years and i'm just and obviously dean it's the same with your son it's like you kind of like we're gonna do life together yeah whether or not this wins or, or fails like yeah so i kind of had that luxury of you know knowing that i've known like having known scott personally for 20 years it wasn't like we just kind of got a blind date introduced and we're like oh let's build a business together right um if, if I, if it was that, then I, you, you'd obviously go through a lot more kind of, you know, due diligence on the legal side and whatnot and make sure that things are, things are, are buttoned up. But we were kind of best mates that kind of knew that, okay, I'm going to, you know, to Dean's point, I'm going to be the, this, you know, the, the ops guy, I'm going to manage stuff and you're going to kind of bring me the creative and, and bring me the content and we're just going to, we're just going to run at a million miles an hour. So, yeah, but yeah, complementing strengths, I think, I think's massive. I think too, like. As Christians, our motivation is different than if you have a different set of values. So most yeah. people go into business, they want to be a millionaire and they want to make a lot of money, which we all want to do. But the motive is not the money. The motive is, you know, especially what you do and what I do, we happen to be, you know, selling products to the Christian space, right? Yeah. But even if we weren't, let's say we were selling products and services to another space, wouldn't matter. Mm -hmm. The fact that we value, you know, serving our customer, giving them a great product, yeah. you know, going yeah. above and beyond for them. Um, yeah. And then the money comes, you know, as, as yeah. a result. It's not our, yeah. you don't wake up every day looking at bank accounts. Um, you yeah. got to look at your cash burn and you got to, you know, <laughs> watch your budget and all that. Um but Wait, yeah. really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to do that. Um, but like so much, so often when there's clash in, with founders and, you know, people that start business, like the money thing is there's such a high motivator and that's, that's yeah. when it can get a bit murky. Yeah, you have to. And, and then 
to your point, you have to have clarity on that as well. Like, yeah. To be like, hey, we're we good. Like, and I, we, Scotty and I had to have some awkward conversations because yep. I think this is what we, this is how we think it's going to work. But like, are we clear? Like, are we, yep. like you still, even as friends, you want to have that clarity. Absolutely. Because then it's not murky. It's not like, hey, what? But you said two years ago, because I've had things like that happen to me in the past. I'm like, yeah, but like, we didn't, did we discuss this? Did we not? What did you assume assumptions kind of, kind of, right. And, um, if you don't deal with some of those conversations specifically on the money side, but I think as well, um, the, oh man, I've lost my train of thought there. I looked outside the window and I just, just drifted <laughs> off. Beautiful day. Right there, eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was going to say something. It was, it was a good point. It was, it was to add value to your, your concert. Anyway, we can move on. Maybe it'll come back to me. Wow. I've been in meetings for the last two hours. So I'm just, I'm just, yeah, worry, that happens that to me on a daily basis. <laughs> so if you talk about like the genesis of the idea for creator, how did it come about? Was it something you guys have been talking about for a while? And then what was like, yeah. what was the thing you did that was like taking it to zero to one? Cause I mean, you guys came out of the gate, the platform looked amazing. The content was really high quality. So just talk about like some of those first practical steps of this is the idea. Yeah. What do we do immediately to start getting it going? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the, ironically, the idea did come from watching masterclass. So I, I have, um, I'm pretty obsessed with learning. So like, I just, I love learning things. I big book nerd, big kind of like YouTube, like learn anything kind of guy. And, okay. Okay. And, um, what's that thought? Hey, future entrepreneur, if you're listening to this, you have to crave knowledge. Yeah. And yeah. everything you need to learn is available for free. Mm -hmm. So don't, yeah. there's no excuse. So if you want to start a business and you're not a craver of knowledge, like Dylan just said, you're behind the eight ball because there's 50 other guys and girls that are going to, they're going to go and learn it mm -hmm. and they're going to go do it. Yeah. So keep going, mate. Great mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's such a good point. There, there's nothing that I haven't been able to figure out. Like everything is figureoutable. Like yep. I, we're working on a project at the moment that like, I pitched the whole idea and I didn't know how I was going to build it, but I found the guys that are going yep. to build it and they're building. And I just got, that's the meeting I just got off. It was like, Hey, like I've got this idea. We're going to go do this thing. And he's like, yeah, I've done, just did that like three months ago. I'm like, Fuck, let's go. Like everything is figure outable. Um, but yeah, the genesis of the idea did come from like, I was, um, you know, I've, I've, you know, obviously written music and I, and I, I love film and TV composition. I love the idea of, you know, writing to TV and writing to film and, I had this project that I was working on gotta be five years ago now called Icelanders, which was just like, it was just like a music bed project where I just, it was just like licensing music. It was really nice, like kind of coming from a very structured worship experience and be like, Hey, I'm just going to let this stuff kind of get out there and, and kind of feed that creative side of my brain. Um, and so in that process, masterclass launched a Hans Zimmer course, which mm. is, he's like, wow. he's written everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's written absolutely everything as far as film and TV, go well, film goes. Yeah. And so I, I dove into his course and I was just like obsessed and I just watched a lot of it and I just, for, you know, sat down for three or four hours on, on one day and just couldn't stop. And I just was like, man, it's like, like if I'm feeling this learning from someone that I look up to, you know, and I have, you know, call it what you want to call it. Like I've got experience in our church world of, you know, of playing and, and, and touring and, and, and whatnot. And, and, I'm, and people do ask me questions. Like, how do you get this sound? Or how do you do this thing? And how do you, you know, what's your favorite this? And, and, and so I've kind of got this knowledge that people would want to um, learn from, not in an arrogant way or egotistical totally. way. It's just like- It's just gained experience, open. right? For doing something. For yeah, gained experience, mm -hmm. exactly. So 
that was kind of the genesis. I was like, man, like, what if we, what if I just did this for like, even just the hilt, like our United crew as the musicians. And so, you know, fast track two or three years later and the kind of concept, it's just life just gets busy. Right. And then, and, um, and the technology wasn't as readily accessible and building our tech stack would, would have just been impossible back then compared to now. And so by grace of God timing kind of thing, and yep. then um, fast track to, to COVID and now I'm off the road and I'm, I'm home and I'm kind of like the, the having to go at a million miles an hour side of me was like, what do I do? And so actually a friend of mine kind of said, Hey, what if you did like, cause we were, I was working on another business, like on something I think with a friend of mine and, kind of consulting on some tech stuff. And then he, I was working with a marketing friend and he's like, what if you did like a guitar course or something like that? Cause he was in the digital course space. Right. It's actually funny to say that. Like I've thought of doing this like church masterclass idea and he's, and we just, and I just kind of just rehashed. And so I just went into this like research, you know, kind of thing. I was like, what is the gap in the market? Where can I, where can we fit? Um, cause it, it's not a new idea. So like, I wanted to make sure that, um, that what we were building wasn't going to just be irrelevant. So I did a lot of research, kind of started to do some projections based on kind of like at this scale, the, you know, you can't, it's pretty bad, it's just spreadsheet, spreadsheet jockeying. Um, and then I started to run some of those spreadsheets via some people and be like, Hey, I think I'm going to do this. Like, I think I'm really going to like give this a crack, like, you know, I'll just self-fund it and do one and then like, you know, go and find someone else to do another one with. And long story short, I, I, I took it to Scotty and I was like, Hey, like, I'm really going to give this a go. And once he kind of saw the vision, it wasn't even about the money. It wasn't, it wasn't anything to do with that. It was more like we've, I've got, we've got an opportunity with technology now to film something and it can go, it can be in anyone's handset and that just that scale. And I think because we were touring and we understood our tangible, the church, the greater church was, and that, you know, that it's everywhere. Um, I think it was like, it all resounded with us that we could film something and film, you know, share content that could then just disperse into, into, into the world. And so Scotty and I really at that point connected. Um, and then really, I think some of our, uh, I don't know if unfair advantage is the right term, but maybe just some of our experience was that we knew that we had to get, um, to do this at the scale that we ended up doing it, we needed to reverse engineer it for the people that are touring all the time that are, that are making albums. And like, how do we find a model that um, honors them and, and, and all of the work that they've done to kind of sustain um, career or whatever you want to call it um, and to stay at the top of the game. And, and then also just get that. Yes. It's like, yeah, of course. Like I want, and, and the more we started to hash out those conversations with people, that the more of it was like, yeah, I want to pour out. Like I want to empty myself now for this generation. And that ended up becoming a lot of our, our, um, such a massive motivator when we're like, we've yeah. got this a, a, a opportunity to like, let, like actually give away the secrets. I've, I've been this, got this little book in my office. Um, and I've just never forgotten. It's got this concept about don't cover your own ideas. Mm -hmm. It's like one of those, like, think, whatever you're thinking, think the opposite books. And I can, right. I can send you guys a link if you want to put it in the, in the, in the yeah. and whatnot. But it has this idea of, and it, it's actually fundamental to the way I approach creativity, but it's like, give away your ideas, like yeah. share everything. Because if you're the one that's giving away, you have to be the one that's like coming up with new ideas. Like you're kind of like, Hey, this is this trick that I've just figured out is here. It is now I'm going to force myself to go out in there and be more creative. So, it was a little bit of a hybrid of that, but then 
the first thing we did is actually um, we shot we shot the proof of concept, which was which is released now. It's Brooks' um, songwriting course. Yeah, and so we kind of I've kind of gone the long way to explain. Like basically, what we did is like let's shoot the proof of concept to get. Then we self funded that whole thing, you know, cutting checks out of our own check, you know, out of our own bank accounts and whatnot. Um, to prove that, Hey, this idea is a, is a sustainable model. We've got it down to shooting in one day. So we shot the whole thing, 11, 11 episodes in one day. Um, because we came in preloaded with the script. Yeah. So we, we built this, this engine where it was, I can get a yes from Brooke because it aligns with her values. It aligns with, you know, from a quality standpoint, from, from what she's proud to put her name to. And it's not a massive ask. Right. The ask is on the scripting and there's the development process and whatnot. We're not just like feeding them. Hey, you say this. And right. there's obviously a process that we've, that we've developed, but it was really figuring out how do we make this just as um, frictionless might be the right term for people to want to be a part of it. You thought about and scale so, very early, right? Cause yeah. what, you know, I think one thing that really stands out too, that I always try to tell people is you took a skill that you had developed for 20 years. And you you use that as your springboard. Yeah. So you, you absolutely you had something that you were good at, and you took that into you know as your business idea. And it's and I you know I did yeah. the same thing right. I, I understood the business of church, and you yeah. know I spent thirty years in and around it and watched it and saw how it all worked and you know and the timing thing too was the same right. The technology yeah. able to give on a phone and all of that. Um, yeah. So you took something that you were really good at. You're an expert. Mm-hmm. When you're an expert in something, and I think it's the Gladwell thing, you know, the 10,000 hours, like, yeah, right. That's, and it goes back to go and learn. So you become an expert and yeah. in that expertise, you have such a head start. And yeah. Then the other thing is you develop this incredible network because you had expertise, people respected you for your gift and how you used it. And so people are attracted to that too. Right. And so, yeah. and, and so just those things are just, they just stand yeah. out and they're just key things for every, you know, entrepreneur who wants to kind of build something from scratch and needs to yeah. begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then I also think, make sure you're building something that people want. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. think, you know, I've had friends send me pictures and I'm just like, you know, I've been, things have been put across my desk and I'm just like, I just don't see the need. And like, I'm, once again, I love learning and I, I don't know this is going to sound funny, but I love watching Shark Tank. I, and yeah, I don't love it for the products. I love yeah, it for right. the way that the, that the um, investors, the sharks, whatever they call yep. them, the way they dissect the ideas. Yep. And you just go like, of course, that's brilliant. It's, there's a need and they built a better mousetrap. That's and it's it. like, you mm-hmm. know, and, the, and, and so I think it's, that's, and going back to doing all of that research and even still to this day, I'm jumping on like cold calls with, people that you know run worship teams like hey what can we what's gonna work for you guys mm, right so and so um i think finding that niche not niche is not maybe not the right term but finding something that people want and that is useful and that's gonna you know is in a growing market is all this all of the yep the checks all the basics right <laughs> yeah yeah what i love about that and maybe talk more about it i'm glad you brought it up was you guys are really on the ground talking to churches and creative departments and mm-hmm. worship leaders. So I think that's cool because you and I mean, you guys have been around um, the worship space for so many years. So 
most people would just think, well, they're the experts. They know what everybody want. We're just going to create it and put it out into the world. But it sounds like what you're saying is like, we're an expert in this, but also we've got to understand our customer. We've got to understand what they want. Yeah. So how important is like just constant customer feedback to, um, um, to what, to yeah, what you I guys mean, do? It's everything. It's everything it really is like, you know, um, we have this saying in creators that we don't want to build inside of an echo chamber. So, you know, our context to church, like I grew up in, a, in what we would call a big church. Like, so I grew up in big church So my context is big church. And yes, you could say I'm an expert, maybe in big church, but that's not that we, and, and Dean, you and I've talked about this on, at length, but we know that that's five, I don't know, you would have better data than I yeah. 5% of, 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 of the, of yeah. know, the church landscape. I mean, in is the U S of the 350,000 churches, maybe, you know, 5,000 of them are over, you know, 2000 members. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So even less. Yeah. Even less. So, so I had to now, like, I think it's different when you talk teaching songwriting, there's just, there's fundamental things when it comes to songwriting that like are just universal, they, they just apply no matter the scale. Um, same with worship leading when it comes to the heart side of things, like there is just fundamentals when it comes to worship leading that we try to teach that actually apply across any, any, any segment of all, any size of church. And so when it comes to jumping on the phone with these churches, it's, it's the guy like, cause for me, I'm going, how can I serve the guy? That's, he's not a full-time worship pastor. In fact, he's like, He's working a full-time job. He's got a family to feed and he's also now the worship pastor, the worship leader. He's the one that's, you know, scheduling everyone. He's the, like, he's, he, that guy is run, like he's working so hard. Um, and I don't have necessarily that context. So I need to like, I want to hear from him what he wants. And so like, that's kind of a little bit of the jumping on the phone kind of thing where it's like, let's make sure that we're not building in an echo chamber going back to what I was saying earlier, like what's something that people want, what's going to be something that's going to be useful and going to help as many people as possible. Because what Dean was talking about earlier, like as Christians, like we like, yes, the money thing, we want to make money and we want this to be successful, but truly at the, at the core of, of what creator is, is about helping people and, and is about having this ability to, you know, create a product that's actually going to make this Sunday great. It's going to make this weekend service great. And so, I think if we just kind of go off in our world and like build this like big ethereal concept, because we think that's what people want. I think we might, there's a chance that it might not work <laughs> because to Dean's point, we're 0.1% of, of people's re like we live in that 0.01% of what the rest of the church world lives in. So I have to get that feedback. I have to get that. Um, what's going to help you guys Like, what's useful. Is it useful to help? write song lists that follow mm. Brooks worship leading, you know, worship right. theology arc. Is that health mm. tangible right now is going to help this weekend. Um, and if it's not, we won't, won't make it, but at least we're kind of checking those things um, and making sure that we're getting that feedback um, on the, on all fronts, on the content, the format, the interface, the tech, everything. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, like, your customer is everything and if you're not kind of doing everything you can to serve them um and honor the fact that they've kind of exchanged you know they've exchanged money and resources for for your product i think it's i mean it's fundamental to everything mm -hmm. absolutely mm -hmm. was there can you think of a really um 
I guess, a piece of feedback that you had early on that really kind of changed something for you? Like, was there one piece of customer feedback that made you completely rethink something that you were really sure about? Um, it didn't make me rethink it. It made me just kind of very aware. I, I jumped on a phone call with a guy who's like, a, he's in a biggish church, or like it's above 2000. And, and he said, you know, the, the trick is to not, I'm trying to remember, I wrote it down, it's in my notepad here somewhere, but he, along the lines of like, cause we do teach theology. We do teach like, Hey, this is a theological framework of, you know, it's, it's not, you know, a Pentecostal where it's not, it's just, you know, biblically, theologically, what we you know think is, um, universally true. And, and we were talking about like culture and how that we've, you know, one of the things that we're pushing towards, um, is we're kind of going to release the creator as we know it right now is really an invader. Mm -hmm. I like to think that it was always the intention to kind of release this church license, which is, which is coming out, um, in the middle of the year. And so as, so as I've been building that, I've been getting on these calls with church teams and, and, and I said, you know, we've got this thing called worship culture sessions and they're really kind of like for the church of 200 to kind of like help build that worship culture so that the guy who's like, you know, potentially doesn't have a spare second between, you know, he's finishing his work to pick the kids up to then go and run his worship rehearsals has had the time to prepare and, and to, and to bring something for his team. That's going to inspire kind of make them feel like they understand the context of what they're a part of. And, you know, I got on the phone and said, Hey, we, we, we need, we've got this idea, this idea, this idea. And we're kind of in development on this. And he goes, yeah, the thing is like, we want to build our culture. And it really stuck with me. And I was like, ah, that's, that's, that's a big one because we don't want to assume that we, we don't want to build, create a culture. We want to, we want to resource a church to build their culture. Very good. And it really hit me because it was like, how do I make sure I think through that lens? How do we make sure that we're kind of thinking of that, you know, that end person going like, like he, he's like a worship pastor. He's not trying to build, create a culture. And, and we, there's universal creative culture that I think right. is, is applicable, but it's like, how do I, resource that guy to go hey these are amazing resources and i can also make that super applicable to to, to here to now we call him eddie in idaho is like our, is that avatar is like that's real. <laughs> mm -hmm. that guy mm -hmm. is, is, is as real to us as, yep. as you know anyone like he exists and he's, absolutely he works at starbucks and he's you know he's a young kid and he's just been told that he's leading the worship team now and he's right. like all oh, crap mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, this is, mate you, you, you know, uh al kind of fictitious avatar is Betty, the bookkeeper, right? <laughs> yeah. And so every church has a Betty and yeah. like she's part-time or, or volunteer and she's doing the books, yeah. right? And at very early on, we understood that that was who was going to, like the pastor might say, hey, I need this digital giving tool. Can you go and sort yeah. it out? And Betty would do the yeah. research. And, and so yeah. we built everything for Betty. Yeah. And Betty is a Lutheran, Betty is an Episcopalian, and Betty is a Pentecostal, but there's Bettys mm -hmm. in every church. And I, yeah. like what you said there about building your products so everyone within the market can use it. Yeah. I, I think that's uh, sometimes we try to get so niche, like there's your market, but then you go in for this tiny little corner of your market. Yeah. You know, and how I grew up going to church is different from probably 95% of my customers. And so yeah. we, we had to, and the way we communicate and the way we market. And so you, you know, it sounds like you threaded that needle too, where you, you're trying to reach, you know, Eddie from Idaho, like in, in, across the whole breadth of yeah. the church. Yeah, no, you're spot on. I think, 
I think it comes down to that echo chamber concept. Like we've got to, we've got to, you've got to have feedback. You've yep. got to have, um, you know, like if you think of it, the mental model, a friend of mine is like computer scientist, genius guy. And, he, and he's got this, uh, this mental model. It's like kill, maintain, um, experiment, double down. And it's kind of like mm. this, this, this flywheel that, that I'm always referencing. And it's like, if, but I'm, I'm not the one determining whether it's, whether it's worth doubling down. Like I make sure that people that are you going to use this thing are going to, are going to be speaking into that concept. Awesome. Because you've got to get the feedback. You've got to get the, you know, is this going to work? And, and you have the doubts and, and sometimes you have wins. Like you, you build something's like, well, that, that really took that way more than I could have ever anticipated. Right. Um, but you've also got to have the, you know, the ability to, to, to your point, Dean is brilliant. Is like the Betty from Betty from where did you, where is she from? Sorry. Betty, the bookkeeper. Betty, 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 the, Betty bookkeeper. the bookkeeper. <laughs> Betty, the bookkeeper from Boston. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I don't know. We got plenty of them. Dylan, how do you guys, yeah. um, I'm, I'm always really interested, especially in businesses like yours that are content courses, obviously you're measuring, um, new signups. How much do you measure new signups versus like deeper engagement with current users? And how do you balance that out? Because yeah. I think it would be easy, especially with a subscription-based business to just be all about new users. But how much time do you spend mm -hmm. on how can we get our current users interacting with the platform in more meaningful ways? Like what's more important and how do you, yeah. how do you determine what to spend time focusing on? Um, I don't think there's one that's more important than the other. I think they both drive different metrics. So, I mean, like once again, learning spreadsheets, I, I had a call yesterday with, with a consultant that we've got in on the, on the marketing side. And the like I was like nerding out how good he was at Excel. Excel. I'm like, I'm pretty good at Excel with this guy's on another planet of Excel spreadsheets. And, you know, obviously you've got, in our business and, and maybe this isn't super relative to everyone, but essentially you've got that, you've got new users and then you've got how long do they stay around? And those are kind of our, our two biggest metrics that we're always like looking at. And then obviously what does it cost to get that user? So if we've got, there's obviously a lot more lines of data that we look at, but like those are those metrics. And so how much does it cost to get a user? How much do they, you know, what's their lifetime value is kind of those two things. And so the new user thing we're always working on. I mean, we've just, we did a big lift um, with, you know, by getting the experts to look at stuff and dissect the website, we, we did a big lift in Jan in December, just on our front end, you know, sales page and whatnot. And boom, like, like things went up. I was like, man, I love like just tweaking all of those fine tuning things. So, but similar, similarly, if someone comes in, how do I make sure they're engaged for a longer period of time? And, um, it's, it's a balance. It's definitely a balance because you want to create enough content that they're engaged you also want to make sure that they're know that how much content's there. And I think it's, it. I mean, we're built on a SaaS platform, so there's already a million integrations that we can build. Um, and so we're starting to develop ways where it's like, Hey, we noticed you watch this, this, and this, um, here's this, you haven't checked this out yet. So how do we find those ways in our existing platform to, um, make sure we can keep that engagement up because that's, it's, it's a big metric that we have to watch and make sure that people aren't churning out too quick. Um, and then to get, getting that feedback, like, did, you know, as they do churn out, like throw them a survey, Hey, what, what was the reason? Was it cost? Was it, was there was not, was enough content? What was it that kind of made this irrelevant to you or maybe not relevant, mm -hmm. but like what made this, what made you feel like you don't want to keep exchanging your resources for, for this product. So, 
I think it's a balance. You've got to get new users. It's what drives the business. But as well, equally, what drives the business for us is making sure that those users um, want to stay around. You know, there's that, you hear this in, in business all the time, like phone companies will spend or almost do anything to keep you once you're there. Like mm -hmm. they'll give you a new phone because they know that it's cheaper. Mm -hmm. Pardon? Like DirecTV, like I'm going to get yeah. my DirecTV and they're like, hey, we'll give it to you free for six months. Yeah. It's like... yeah. Because they know that their cost, it's it's more expensive to get a new customer Correct. than to retain an existing customer. So it's hard for us in the church world as well to kind of like think about people through these, like, yeah. I mean, these Eddie and I is a real person. So he's got real life circumstances that we have to kind of, you know, but there are things that we can always be doing to make sure we're serving him and making this product as valuable as possible to him. But there is a massive balance. And, and the more I look at all of the different parts, it's like, let's improve all of it holistically, the whole right. business. Let's improve, you know, someone's first touch point with the business to the very last touch point with the, to, with the business. That if they do churn out, they feel that there was still value there and that they might just come back, you know, in a couple of months when something else comes out that's relevant to them again. We, but the other side of it is that with the church license, we, the goal is that that feeling of like the person, like, like it's, it's going to be a yearly thing and it's going to be unlimited subscribers for a church, unlimited licenses for a church subscription. So love it. hopefully mm. we can create a, a way where the church goes, this is such high value for our, our church. And then the end users just in there going, wow, this, this, this content's just, just winning. And they feel that value there. So that's, if I hopefully I answered your question, but I think that equally is important. Um, right. But to the phone company analogy and the direct TV analogy, it's actually more important to keep the customer that is to yep. try and go and go go get a new one we've got some maybe some skewed metrics on the ability to get eyeballs on this thing because we've kind of got a lot of um people on the platform who have a lot of reach so we've kind of got this advantage to kind of get in front of people a lot quicker you've got um, a flywheel marketing machine that is genius mm -hmm. you know it's the, yeah obviously the people who are creating the content are you know in themselves able to reach yeah a lot of people yeah. who are gonna, you know, eventually be your customer. So, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, Very yeah. No, it's been it's been um it's been amazing to watch it all. But getting in the under the hood and tweaking things is just I don't know what, why that makes me just, yeah <laughs> it's so much fun. Just seeing those improvements, I think people undervalue them. Like I think yeah. they think that there needs to be this big like oh my gosh like yeah monumental shift to get all of these results. Actually, it's like tiny shifts across the whole breadth of the business. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing that I'm learning right now is going in and tweaking one little thing all the way down here and like this back end landing page. And I get this bump of half a percent up here, this metric. And I'm like, can I make it a full percent now? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it never ends. Well, and that's like, we talk, yeah. we talk about a lot on the podcast, like hearing that that's like the op opposite of the glamorous founder life, right? There's this idea, especially now, I mean, was it last year, like 4 million people quit their jobs in a month and there was like a record number of new businesses started yeah. in, or at least, you know, applications for new businesses started. Um, I think it's the, the glamorous, cool thing to do. Why don't you maybe just before we close, talk about like you're talking to a young faith-based entrepreneur, maybe they're building a product for church. Maybe they're not building a product that has anything to do with church, but give them some advice about like, maybe what you've learned along the way, some of the stuff that is the gritty, um, again, beneath the hood stuff, just to help them get from yeah. zero to one in launching what they're wanting to launch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we've kind of covered a lot of things, but 
I think surrounding yourself with those buffers, like don't, don't build inside of an echo chamber, find people that you look up to that are doing something, you know, successful. And it doesn't have to be like mind blowing, but find a guy who's got a successful business. What, what's he doing? Like, how's he running his books? What, what are the tricks that he's figured out? Um, I think it, cause you've got like going back to that knowledge and you've got to learn, you've got to, if you don't have something you've figured out, you've got to figure it out and, and finding people that are already like maybe three or four steps ahead can kind of help fast track you that little bit. It's like, Hey, and actually it's kind of the thesis of creator. It's like, let's help someone who's writing a song, learn from someone who's already made all the mistakes and make that time decay as short as possible. Hey, here's all the mistakes I made. Don't invest in a coffee company unless you know that you've got <laughs> the real estate, like, you know, the zoning lockdown. Like I, if someone came to me, I've got number one thing. Like, I learned this mistake. Now I've helped them fast track them making the same mistake. So finding those people, you know, Dean's been one of those guys to me already where I've jumped on a call, you know, a couple of calls. It's like, oh yeah, like that's a, like, you just helped me fast track three or four mistakes that I would have made if I didn't gain that experience, that, that knowledge from, from that, that person that's got more experience or got more knowledge in that field and learn how they, you know, what they're doing, learn, you know, it's, it's everywhere. You can kind of turn in anywhere and find people that are doing, and if you don't have that resource right in your world, to Dean's point, YouTube, yep. you know, there's, there's books, there's, I mean, learn, 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 mm-hmm. learn and try and, and then also to the, to your thing, to your point about under the hood thing, it's like, there's, I reckon, I mean, Dean, you might, you might have different numbers on this, but it's like, I would say like 90%, 95% of running the business is not the, what you think it is. Yeah. It's not the fun, Yeah, you know, thinking you're going to all these business meetings and you're going to like fast track this and you're going yeah. to like, it's the, it's a grind, last, yes. <laughs> you know, it's like a it's lot. a grind and, and, and it's, and it's, and it's not, it's not the sexy stuff that, um, that we think it is, that is right. the, is the, the meter mover. Yeah. Um, and going back to the data thing, like, yes, that we're working on at the moment, like we're, we're going so granular on these, like, like the user journey and all these things that are so like myopic and yeah. so small. But when you do that across the whole business, right. You do see these lifts. And there's, I was saying, um, one of our guys just says like, there's a, there's a book called, um, atomic habits by James. Mm-hmm. Clear. Yeah, great I have book. to double check this reference, but he talks about at the start, he kind of paints his thesis of, you know, the British cycling team. And he talks about how, um, you know, they hadn't won. I'm going to get my facts wrong, but it's along these lines. We hadn't had won in 40 years or something. And this, this new team comes in and they made, um, you know, they didn't like get all new riders. They didn't get all new bikes. They didn't do all of this, like what you would think would be that that's going to fix it. They went so detailed to like the oil on the bike chain, the different pedals, the different socks that they wear, like all these incremental increases that then ended up getting them to win to like all these different things. But it's, it's, it's people, you need to get into that detail. You need to get into that, like really not cool and fall in love with that stuff, fall in love with the stuff. that's not that cool because, because actually it's really cool when you see things (laughs) changing because of all of those tiny little changes you made. And hundred percent, I would learn Excel spreadsheets. Yeah. Like, and that, like it's your best friend, honestly. Love Excel. Um, love Excel. And, and it's, and it's, and I know it sounds like super nerdy, but it's like, it's those things that, that I haven't felt for us have moved the needle where it's like, wow, like if I have this like grip on the business, if I have this, like this, the data doesn't lie. The information doesn't doesn't lie. And that's Um, like like two things stand out. Like most people are, are afraid to see 
and in the church world, it's like the worst. Most pastors don't want to know about their money or their finance or their, yeah. like, so they run from the data. Whereas business, you got to love the data. Good, bad, ugly. Yeah, you got to love it. And, and just on your first point, just as we wrap that I've, I've never met someone who was ahead of me and above me that wouldn't give me five minutes or 30 minutes mm -hmm. to help me. And yeah. I think there's this beautiful thing in our, in the culture that's, you know, around now, like you can shoot a DM, like I've DM some pretty big time VCs mm -hmm. and, awesome. and like, they've got back to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So, and I, I get, you know, Hey Dean, can you, you know, give me your two cents on this for 10 minutes and, you know, yeah. they found me on LinkedIn and, and I'm like, sure, I've never met them, yeah. you know, and I yeah. they approached me with a product and it's for the Catholic church and, you know, um, we, we met for like an hour and I'm like, man, you've got a phenomenal like idea here. And so yeah. here's the point. If you need the knowledge or the coaching or the mentor, don't come and say, Hey, will you mentor me? You know, like once a week for the next 40 weeks, just ask me for 15 minutes mm -hmm. and have your six yeah. questions ready. I'm mm -hmm. probably going to do it. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I, uh, uh, I just did that last week. I mean, I literally had been like looking at Excel for three weeks, trying to figure out what direction to go with something. And I just literally said, I'm going to Google. And I did, I Googled someone who is four years ahead of building what it is we're trying to build. And I just emailed the CEO and I was like, can I talk to you for 20 minutes? And he ended up spending like almost yeah. an hour, hour and a half on the phone with me. And the first thing he said was just so you know, I'm a staunch atheist. Uh, so <laughs> what you're trying to put into the world, I, I fully disagree with fundamentally, yeah. disagree but with he you. was like, but what I know of the industry, there's a massive need in the market for it. And let me talk to you about how <laughs> wow. you can, how you can do it. So it is, it's, it's easy. And, um, people, people are more than and willing the worst to you can get as a no. Exactly. exactly. Do you know what I mean? The worst you can get is a no. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Awesome. Yeah. It's brilliant. Dylan, thanks for, uh, thanks for taking the time to talk with us, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This has been fun. Yeah. Where can people Likewise. find you guys online? What's the Instagram website? So all the that moment stuff. we're creatoronline.com. Okay. So C R E A T R online.com. Cool. If anyone wants to find me a spare for Bitcoin, I can get creator.com. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dean, Dean, bought some, uh, Dean bought some Ethereum at the dip a few, uh, a few, yeah, a my, few, uh, few Ethereum. there you go. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and a couple of others, a lot of them are not up. <laughs> Hallelujah for that. For I should have, yeah. yeah, I should have gone back to the guy that owns creator.com and said, um, you know, does four Bitcoin still work now when it crashed? Right. Exactly. <laughs> when he asked for four Bitcoin, it was like, why up there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>